What is it like to have 13 income streams as a creator? Today, we'll find out. We are speaking to Sarah from the Sarah Funky YouTube channel where she shares New York travel tips and other travel videos. Sarah has amassed almost 200,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel and has a whopping 13 streams of income as a YouTuber, influencer, show host, and tour company owner. We've already spoken to Sarah in a previous podcast episode in 2021, where we talked about how she went from having $300 in the bank to making over $200,000 a year. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. In this episode, we're getting an update on her current YouTube strategies, how she's hiring a full-time employee to level up her business, and her updated revenue streams in 2022 and 2023. Let's get into it. The weird thing is, lately, brands are willing to pay so much money for Instagram sponsorships. Yeah, yeah. And it almost, it's like 50% of what I would charge for a YouTube, and it doesn't even make sense to me. And, like, I'll try to educate some brands sometimes, and I'm like, look. We a can, YouTube will serve you, you just, better. Yeah, if you just pay this amount instead of this amount, you're going to get this ad yeah. living forever. Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a YouTuber here in New York City, and I also am a travel show host and run my own tourism company. Amazing. I have to say, Sarah... YouTube is so hard. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've just been filming it's a few videos. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. But it's the gosh. most fulfilling once is you it really? do it because you get so many opportunities from okay. it. Like, okay. I feel like you get more opportunities from this than you do any other social media platform. I am trusting the process. Listen, Vanessa Lau said it. Mr. Beast said it. Look at them. That's all I got to say. It's that's like, true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I have just been filming a few videos and I've been doing this in the car. Yeah. I've been doing it in people's studios, trying to do multi-camera stuff. Uh -huh. And then this camera dying, that camera dying. It is such a challenge. <laughs> and I was driving to you and I was like... Gosh, I have to complain to her how hard, like, just a few videos. I haven't even gotten to editing them. Yeah, so. listen, I know it's hard, but it, it all works out. It's, like, more energy, but more results. Yes, but I'm just so impressed with what you do. Because I'm like, <laughs> wow, she, you go out into New York City yeah. to film no matter the weather. I mean, obviously not when it's raining. But I mean, listen, sometimes hot, you just got to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, and when it's cold. Yes. How do you deal with uh, the physical uh, difficulties of YouTube? I think over the years, I've just gotten so used to it. Remember the first time that we worked together yes. and you were like, oh, my God, this is so exhausting. Yes. <laughs> yes. We made a video about Instagram spots in New York. It took like an entire day to film. Oh, my goodness. And By the end of the day, I was exhausted. I yeah. was like, you do this all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah a few yeah. times a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's very exhausting. You just... Um, I've kind of streamlined things now, mm. so I, I write a script in advance, and I know exactly what scenes I need, what scenes I don't need, which is a key factor, Yeah. because in the beginning, you're film, you, you think, oh, I'll just film it in case. No. Yeah. That's yeah. not what you do with YouTube. Can you tell us about what your planning process is like, and yeah. do you use a particular uh, platform to plan, like Notion or something else? So I do a little reverse engineering with SEO. 
So instead of just thinking about ideas that I think would be cool, I actually use Google Trends mm -hmm. and uh, a platform called TubeBuddy yes. to literally research what people are searching keywords of yeah. about New York City. And then from there, I make videos about it. And mm -hmm. so essentially it's research what people are searching. Then I'll, con I'll put together a few different content ideas. Yeah. Then um, I will search them on TubeBuddy to see how they rate, yeah. which is TubeBuddy is a great platform for YouTubers. You should have it. Yes. Um, and I, then I just I do paid a, for it. It's amazing. Yeah. Then I do a poll with mm -hmm. my audience and I give them four the four top options that based off of trends and wow. TubeBuddy. And then from there, they normally select whatever one wins. I'll make that one first. Oh, super smart. There's an entire process to this. Yeah. So then once you decide on the topic, how do you start scripting it out? Is it the hook first or do you think of like what goes in the body first or so the title first? The title is very important with yeah. YouTube. If your title isn't catchy, no one's going to click on the video. That yeah. goes with thumbnail, too. Your yeah. thumbnail has to be really good. Otherwise, they're not going to click on it. But um, I normally, first off, it's all about providing value with what my channel's about. Some mm -hmm. channels are about mm -hmm. storytelling, you know, yeah. Yeah. but mine's value. So I always think, like, okay, what is the most important value points here? And what's the hook, right? So the hook has to be in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I'll have the hook, the value points, and then I'll try to create kind of like almost a storyline structure with it. So I, I very much like, I, there's literally a graph I have of storyline of, you know, the like intro, like, yeah, like the, you know, the conflict, yes, um, yes. the resolution. Yes, yes, yes. And so I try to incorporate that into videos too, wow. in addition to like all the other things. Yeah. So I it's a that. lot with YouTube. It's a lot because it's long-form content, so you have to keep them interested the whole time. Yes. And if they're not interested, then you don't get long retention rates. Yes, And if you yes. don't get long retention rates, then YouTube doesn't recommend your channel. Yes, yes. It yeah. does seem, sound pretty challenging, right? Yeah. It, was it a huge learning curve relative to Instagram? But then was the growth also more significant? Okay, yes and yes. Yeah. So Instagram people don't really get to know you like they know yes, you on YouTube. Yes. It's different. Mm. So from, like, I've never been recognized in the street from Instagram. Mm. Let's just say that. But And for some context, <clears throat> how many followers do you have on each platform? Okay, so on Instagram, I have 80,000. On YouTube, I have 180,000. Yeah. But even when I had... Well, even when we were going out filming, remember? Oh, yeah, you had 20,000 at the 20, time. 20,000, and how many times yeah. did people stop me on the street? Like three, four times in New York City. Yeah, yeah. but like if you have 20,000 on Instagram, that's probably not yeah. going to happen, right? Yeah, no way. So that's yeah. what I mean. The difference is it's tremendous yes. because you're going into people's lives. You're They're putting you on, your t on their TV. Yeah, yeah. And they feel like they know you, yes. you know? And yeah. that's what's cool, cool about YouTube. You can make a, a connection. It's way harder than Instagram in my experience, although your Instagram, you take like five hours to make or more to make a single reel. So I'm like, that to me is so much work because I'm thinking, oh my God, it's only 15 seconds, right. but it's so impactful and so cool. But then it doesn't last more than like two, three weeks. Exactly. In terms of reach. Yeah. That's the thing. That's a limitation. So another great element of YouTube is that once you make that content, it continuously brings you views, continuously like reiterating your brand. Yeah. yeah. And so you don't have to make content as much. Yeah. So yeah. just, I mean, I do one video a week. Mm -hmm. um, and that, uh, 
that works for me. But if I if I stop making videos, I still have people coming to my channel and it's kind of like a trickle effect with yes. tour sales and things like yes. that. Yes. So rev even it's not just the traffic. The traffic that is evergreen also brings in the revenue forever. Forever. So yeah, well, which is nice for a long in time <laughs> in theory until we have to continually post. And, yeah. and that was something we were just chatting about before we started recording is the algorithm mm. where it's very difficult to keep up because even if you can have evergreen uh, content and traffic, if your channel just completely dies off, that doesn't work either, right? No. Yeah, we have doesn't. to be realistic here. Yeah. My recommendation because this year I haven't been able to post as much because I've had a lot of client work, which I feel very fortunate to have. Um, but I also, you know, want to want to have that creativity in my life to create my own work. Um, if you don't post a lot, then you get off of the algorithm. Yes. Um, which well, is a struggle. What does I'm that mean? Like get yeah. off of the algorithm. So with YouTube, it's like feeding this beast that just wants food forever. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you stop posting on YouTube for a bit or you're inconsistent, then YouTube essentially stops recommending your channel mm -mm. because you have to understand how these platforms work. They're trying to get people to just keep watching videos so they can keep making ad revenue. Yeah. And so if, you, if you're not consistent with YouTube, you'll see that happen. Yeah. On the flip side... I've always tried to make content that's evergreen. Mm -hmm. So luckily, even though I've been inconsistent this entire year, my views, like my my monthly views, have more or less stayed pretty consistent. Yeah. Even though I've posted probably 50% less because wow. of the amount of client work. Yeah. But I'm getting back into it now. I just hired my first full-time employee to help me with this. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just because I, I just, I love YouTube. I love creating content and I want to get back to it and, you know, give people the best of New York yeah. weekly again. So what is a good frequency for people just starting out? And is that different to, let's say, you when you have already a foundation established? Yeah. Uh, I posted every single week for six months before I actually saw any growth on the channel. Yeah, yeah. Just to give you some realistic yes. numbers. Of course, there's, you know, anomalies, like this girl living out of a van who posted yeah. like twice and yes. her channel blew up to eight million. Yes. Which a lot of people were like, what? Is that real? Like, I don't know if it's real. Congratulations. It was so explosive that even <clears throat> news outlets wrote about it. Yeah. About how she went so viral. Right. And I think essentially she hit like the right cultural trends mm -hmm. at the right moment. Yeah. When people were watching and caring. Yeah. So I uh, maybe stroke a lot of luck and just being recommended, but having all the right elements together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I recommend just choose a frequency and stick with it. I personally uh, recommend once a week. That's mm -hmm. what most YouTubers do Yeah, um, that I know. You could probably do like twice a month too, uh, but it's consistency. I yes. mean, that's the same with any social media. Yes. We know these. These are basics. Yes, yes. Consistency, yeah. Yeah, but if you really think about it, for you to grow on other platforms like Instagram, TikTok, mm -hmm. on TikTok, you probably want to post two or three times a day every single day mm -hmm. for you to see real growth. 
for Instagram. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't handle it. For Instagram, you probably want to post once a day, ideally, or maybe at least four times a week. That you can still see growth with that kind of frequency. Oh, really? Yeah, but. YouTube once a week, technically, it's even though it more is work. more work. I mean, yeah. you could do daily. There's daily vloggers, yeah. too. But yeah. I'm just recommending what is, I think, realistic for someone starting out. Yes, yes, Because yes. editing is so much work. Yeah. Do you, do you think you'll ever up the frequency to be more than once a week? So actually, great question, Tina. Yes, we are working on doing it twice a week now. Wow. So our strategy with this, and we'll see how this goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, is one video is more simplistic and the other video is more elaborate. So it's something that requires us to go out and film for a whole day versus mm. something that I can sit down and I can give you like five things you need to know about winter in New York or yeah. things like that. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of, we're trying to do this balance right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it, I think it will work. It's just about like being realistic with my time and, also, looking at the data is yeah. very important. That's what I'm I'm doing very much now. Every single video I post, I look at that data, and I make every change possible on future videos to constantly improve it. So I'm yeah. looking at the watch time. I'm looking at where do people tune out? Yeah. Why did they tune out there? Why did they tune in here? Why are they suddenly more interested in this section? Um, oh, there was a big drop-off in the beginning. Why is that? Yeah. You know, and, and looking at the structure of the video and, and trying to see how we can improve it mm. every single video. Yeah, so you can tweak it in your future videos, yeah. but also for your thumbnails and titles, you can still A-B test, right? Do you yeah, do Yes, so I do A-B testing as well. I also have a thumbnail designer now, mm. um, which was an investment I wanted to make for a while. You've got to think of it like a movie po poster. Yeah, poster. Got, <laughs> Let me say that again. <laughs> you got to okay. think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like... <laughs> You got to think of it like a movie poster. Yeah. Because uh, if the image is not attracting them or intriguing them, then they're not going to click on it. Same with the title. Mm. So it's like very much psychological. Mm, mm, you just mm. have to get them to click on it. And then the first 30 seconds have to be so engaging that they watch through. Because the other thing about YouTube is you only... It, um, a view counts when you've watched 30 seconds or more. Mm, okay. Okay, so that's like a huge change from TikTok. Yeah. I believe TikTok's two seconds. Yeah, it's around two, three seconds. Same with Instagram. Yeah. So that's why you see these big numbers like, wow, yeah. I got yeah. 18,000 views in like yeah. three hours. Okay, well, on YouTube, it's, it's not going to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I wish... I wish that YouTube counted a view at three seconds. Well, My channel will look great. <laughs> only if they still pay the same amount for AdSense, right? Yeah, that's true. They That would be amazing, actually. Yeah, yeah that, that's probably why, because the AdSense is so much higher yes. with YouTube. Yes. Yeah. So it sounds like you focus a lot on the searchability of your yeah. content. Um, but what I've heard from some other creators, mm -hmm. other YouTubers, is that the suggested actually gives you longer view duration. Mm -hmm. um, I'm wondering if that is similar to you. And do you see, like, is it like 80% of your traffic from suggested or is it more from search? Um, I get a lot from search. Um, I also get a lot from suggested. Mm -mm. For me, just the way my channel is, it's like people type in what best restaurants do. in New York. Yeah, yeah. So they're searching these topics. Yeah. That's why I focus so much on SEO. Yeah. Um, 
But since there's other creators that make videos similar to mine, being suggested on the sidebar can really help you. Yes. And that's where thumbnail and title really come into play because yeah. there's so many videos that people have to choose from on the sidebar. How can yours stand out? Mm. I think a lot about colors. Yeah. You know, colors that pop. Yes. So I'll try to use, if you look at my recent thumbnails, we're really trying to use like bright colors that pop mm -mm. and also make catchy titles and like interesting keywords in the title, in the, yeah. in the thumbnail. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a mix, but I think for my channel, a lot comes from searching. Search, mm. yeah. Mm. There's a few videos that are suggested constantly yeah. that yeah. get, like, um, a crazy amount of views all the time. Mm -mm -mm. And forever, because you make it once, and it's there for at least... I mean, I have videos that I made five years ago that still bring me ad revenue yeah. every single day. Yeah, that's super interesting, because... What what I'm gathering is that if you are more value-based, let's say it's stuff that people are actively looking for, then it's better to really prioritize search and be yeah. good with your SEO. But perhaps if you're doing more vlogging or if yeah, your stuff needs to be... be yeah, it's harder to be searched than yeah. focus more on being unsuggested and Absolutely. And I think for vlog style, you're going to be more unsuggested. Mm -hmm. Although people definitely search vlogs occasionally. Yeah. I, I, I notice this only because oh. I see the keywords yeah. that people are typing in. A lot of people type in NYC vlog, which mm. I'm like, personally, that's not something I would search. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's interesting that other people do search that. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then if you're doing the vlogs, then the, you know, I, it's very important to note that this is my strategy because what my channel's about. Yes. But if you want to be a vlogger, then you have to focus a lot on storyline. Yes, yes. Because it's not going to be, prov it's not providing value in the way that I do. Yeah. It's providing value in an entertainment way. Yes, yes. So, yeah. Yeah. We always say, like, you want to provide value in one of the four ways, which is, like, entertainment, education, yeah. or inspiration. It could be visual inspiration, yeah, so yeah. really aesthetic, yeah. or, like, motivation. Yeah. So one of those four. Of course, you can categorize it however you want, mm -hmm. name it differently, but some sort of value is absolutely key. I think we all know that by now. Yes. Um, and then I kind of wanted to ask you about the thumbnail designer. Oh, yeah. Is that different from your video editor? Yeah. Oh, so thumbnail specific. Yeah, she's a thumbnail designer. I wow. actually uh, was recommended her by two of my very good friends that are super huge YouTubers. They're called Misias Battle Viajeras, and they do Spanish travel. Mm. They're like, have over a million subscribers. Yeah. And... Their thumbnails, you'll notice, are so, like, they're just, they look like a movie poster. Yeah. Um, and they really make it, like, into a story. Yeah. And I really liked that. And so that's one of the recent changes on my channel in the last two months is, is hiring someone for thumbnail design specifically just to kind of, like, make my channel look a little bit more polished. Yeah. I love that there's like a thumbnail designer specific for yeah. YouTube because you don't really have like here's like an Instagram reel editor, yeah, <laughs> right. You just have like short form video editor. Well, it's because there's a specific look yeah. with thumbnail designs, just like there's a specific style that works with reels, and there's a specific and there's a specific style that works with TikTok. With thumbnail design, you there is some there's something to there's it. Some like science honestly, to it. yeah. Even YouTube 
talks about this. They yeah. say 50% of the image should be a face. Mm, mm. That, 50%? That's what they said. There's, like, data showing it that mm. they recommend it. Yeah. Okay. And Noted. Yeah. Like, 50% should be face because people resonate with other people. Yeah. And then the expression on your face says a lot. Yes, yes, So you'll yes. notice a lot of YouTubers have thumbnails like this. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Wow. A lot of them. It's yeah. Because if you have, like, a no expression, that doesn't work for a lot of videos. Maybe it works for, like, you won't believe this happened or mm -hmm, something. Mm -hmm. But yeah. most topics, you need some type of, like, <gasps> or, yeah. like, yay, or, yeah. like, something... Some expression. A bit of an extreme emotion. Extreme. Yeah. Yeah. That's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> exhausting. But I do feel like you are almost like a natural to me. Oh, um, wow. Well, it wasn't like that in the beginning. Those videos are deleted off the internet now. Really? Yeah. Even when we first met when you had like 20,000 followers, I was like, wow, she sounds like a news anchor woman. Really? Yeah, when you were talking to the camera. Oh, thanks. And I was like, damn, she's See, she's really good at this. I was like, I bet I would have to do this like 20 times. No. And you did it two, three times and you were good. Yeah, well, it's practice, just yeah. like anything. Like the first stuff you made probably... Sucked. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if it sucked, but it's definitely not the level you're at now, right? So it's just practice yeah. over mm -hmm. time and just keep putting yourself in that situation over and mm -hmm. over again. Yeah. The first videos are so awkward, Tita. <laughs> I literally filmed them with a GoPro. I didn't have a mic. I thought the GoPro's mic was like a good enough mic. Oh, no. no. And then that was the only angle yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I just filmed everything and I had no storyline or plan and just the content was so confusing that everything's been removed off the internet oh, so, so it doesn't exist anymore mm -hmm. okay and so then from there how did you start to upgrade was it more like you made an investment in the beginning or you saw some revenue and then you invested um okay so i i mean i we've talked about this on my podcast before where i like had no money in yes. my bank account yes yeah you can go check out that episode if you want to hear <laughs> sarah's backstory yes the backstory um where i almost failed yeah <laughs> uh yeah so i took the 300 dollars left in my bank account and i hired an editor to make three videos for me and to this day those videos still bring me revenue so that was like a tremendous roi Crazy. and those videos have like one of them alone has over a million views wow so yeah it was it was a lot i forgot the freaking original question oh yeah the the question was i forgot too <laughs> okay uh, we're doing real good <laughs> the question was do you upgrade your gear as you go oh i just upgraded all my gear mm. yeah um, I'm, I need to buy a new drone still, but okay. we just upgraded everything. Yeah. Yes. I upgrade my gear. Uh, well, the last time I bought something was in 2018 and I just bought a new camera now. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wait, was it 2018 or 2019? 2018. Yeah. In 2018, I bought my first camera. I've oh, been wow. using that camera ever since. So wow. that camera was a high ROI camera, yes. but it got to the point where it's like, okay, this camera's done for yeah. you know that was a very new like the best camera in 2018 so it was really expensive especially for me at the time i think it was three thousand dollars and i was wow. like wow like that i didn't even make that like in a year yeah, yeah. the first year of freaking yeah. doing this so 
Yeah, I just bought all new equipment. You so, have to to yes. compete right. on YouTube at least. Actually, for, you know how for Instagram, you can just use your phone. And it's already really good quality. You can make really interesting reels and even yeah. photos because it's more casual now. But on yeah. YouTube... Is that basically not possible? Like, you do have to invest I mean, in better I mean, listen, gear? there's people like Emma Chamberlain who yeah. her content style is very raw and real. And part of the reason why I think she exploded, she started her channel in 2020, I believe. But even earlier. Oh, okay. That. But she, like, she's exploded in growth is because she... So she tailors to some an audience that likes that raw, real, yeah. just kind of whatever stuff quality-wise, yeah. which TikTok loves, you, you don't me. need, you don't necessarily need the best equipment in the world to make YouTube videos. Yes. However, if you want to get hired by large international or worldwide companies mm. for all these really interesting opportunities... I've personally found that a lot of the jobs I got is because of the quality of my production mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then also my on-camera presence. Right, right. So, right. you know, it's it's you have to choose the path that you want to take and what are your long-term goals for that. Yeah. For me, I started my channel with the goal in mind that I want to be a travel show host like Anthony Bourdain mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. So I had that in my head the whole time, and I'm like, that's my goal. That's what I want to do. So I... From the get-go, had, like, the second I could afford a videographer, um, I hired a videographer. And my quality of production was, to be honest with you, not to toot my own horn, but, like, in 20, at the end of 2018, you didn't see any quality of production like that on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. It looked like movie by yeah. the end of it. And that got me so many jobs. That got me a job with Travel and Leisure. They got yeah. me jobs with Forbes. Mm, wow. They got me jobs with, like, all these big companies and then that created like this this clout as cardi b calls it um that that kind of helped skyrocket yes, me yes. for other jobs that yes. i do today so youtube opened the doors for more than just youtube yeah yes that totally makes sense because one thing about youtube is that people are um, seeing that you're really great on camera, that you're great at hosting, and so then they would hire you for jobs that's not on your channel yeah, necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that? You yeah. mentioned that this year you're doing a lot of brand work. Yeah. So brand work basically is where you create the content for them, but specifically mm -hmm. for what you do, it's like high quality travel mm -hmm. videos, yeah. and then broken down into different purposes. Yeah. They have vertical format. Mm -hmm. They have heroes for their website, yeah. and then they have YouTube videos, right? Yeah, yeah. So how do you find those jobs or do they just come to you so uh it's a little bit of a mix honestly i've I, to be real with you i've never pitched a client yeah um they've always come to me and that's always because of youtube 100% mm -hmm. of the time it's because they saw me on youtube and they were like i want a video like this for my brand yeah and then they hire me and then it ends up being re reoccurring work yes. like every month so uh, this year, I've been very lucky because I've gotten a lot of work like that, and yeah. I've gotten to work for some really cool companies. Uh, one of my favorites is Wander. It's like this new luxury vacation home yeah. uh, rental company that is all over the U.S., so we get to travel to all these amazing locations and film these luxury house tours and then these travel guides mm -hmm. in these 
amazing locations. Yeah. And yeah. it's so cool to be able to do that. It's like a dream, you know? Like, it's, I just feel so thankful that this is where that ended so far, at least. Yeah. Um, and how many of those videos are you doing for them this year? So this, how many videos? Well, we did 13 properties this wow. year. Um, and it's like three... Two or three, well, it's three videos at each property, but one is like a shorter form mm, video. Mm, mm. But yeah. 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 And so then the rates for these types of videos, are they a little bit lower than your YouTube channel videos because it's yeah. only production? Yeah. Yeah. So for those, there's, there's a few different rates that go into that because you can hire my production me as like a producer mm -hmm. and not as a on-camera host oh. so that's one option I've done that with clients where I'm just the producer and I'm you know give the direction and help with the creative storyline or whatever um, but I'm not on camera mm. and then there's the next level which is you want me to produce it and you want me to host it yeah um, and so those are the elements that go into this one and that's often what most people choose. I mm. have done it without me, mm. and that is cheaper because then I don't have to be on camera. But um, the rates are, for me at this time, the rates are slightly less than a YouTube sponsorship. But if I was a YouTuber that had, you know, a million followers, then it would be significantly less than a YouTube sponsorship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So how do you go about even thinking about YouTube rates? Because I think they're pretty mm -hmm. different to Instagram. They're way different, yeah. yeah. You can demand higher rates relative to both views and follower count, subscriber count. Yeah. But it's significantly more work. It's so much work. Yeah. It's so much work. So with YouTube, the rates are, in general, um, higher than Instagram yeah. because it is more work. Yeah. And so the brands that hire you for YouTube, they already know this most of the time. Sometimes you have to educate them and you're like, <laughs> what? Yeah, so like, yeah. you, do you not realize how much work this is? Um, but a YouTube rate, it's like tough. It definitely is about views. Yeah. Like if you're not getting views, even if you have a million subscribers, if your channel's not getting views, then no one will pay your rates, probably. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to guess, is it kind of like, here's the production value of it, production cost, and then here's the cost for the viewership that mm -hmm. you're going to get, like a mix of both. Yeah. And then from there, you get something that makes sense. Because even if your views are super low, the production value is still super high. Exactly. So if they're buying licensing rights, then you can add more, just like with Instagram, you mm -hmm. know? How do you want this content? Do you want it just for my channel for promotion? Do you want... Um, copies of it for your use as well yeah. and depending on you know what they want to use it for that's how much you can charge yeah I've yeah. charged five figures for a single YouTube video yeah you know so it just depends on what they're they're interested in mm -hmm. and it also with YouTube it depends on do they want a sponsored mention or do they want a dedicated video yeah I personally don't like doing dedicated videos because I feel like they're an ad and people don't tune in I see I so see. I I will stray away from doing that unless the brand is a really good fit and I think it will provide value to my audience. Um, but there's only been one time that I did a true dedicated video and that was with um, a hotel group in the city mm, mm, because mm. I was showing multiple hotels 
in the city, which fits my brand. Yes, yes. So it wasn't like I was sitting here talking about tires for 15 yeah, minutes, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Yeah, so the, the mentions, are they like 30 seconds, a minute, yeah. or it varies, mm-hmm. and then you can charge based on the length. And yeah. then the dedicated video is basically the entire time you're – your, the, the concept of the video is surrounding this this sponsor. Not always. Okay. So, um, yes, so for your first question, um, a dedicated mention can be anywhere between 30 seconds to a minute and a half mm. normally. I try yeah. to stay 30 seconds to 60 seconds because otherwise people – Yeah. That's just like sometimes it feels too much like an ad, right? Yeah. Um, I try to integrate the brand into a concept that I have already – proven based on data is going to perform because yeah. I also want to make sure that the the sponsor is happy with the end result and the viewer doesn't feel like they are just being taken advantage of so it's yes, like finding yes. a balance that works um on the flip of that I have done videos where I had to base the whole video around a sponsor and I've found that it doesn't work mm. for me personally yeah. like most of the time. There has yeah. been times when, like, it did work. But there's certain sponsors with YouTube that you get multiple times because a lot of the brands that invest in YouTube really have seen big results with YouTube because it's like it's like this, Tina. With Instagram, they buy a sponsorship and then that content dies in two weeks. Yeah. With yeah. YouTube, that sponsorship lives for four years. Yes. That's so right. they... They have constantly reoccurring revenue from that. Mm. So a lot of brands that invest in YouTube once do it again, and then you have frequent customers all the time. Yes. And you can integrate them into things really easily. For example, uh, Storyblocks is one of those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because they're awesome for B-roll of New yeah. York. And I can integrate them into, like, so many different videos. Yeah. And they're really chill with the sponsorship, and it gets results. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah it's, yeah, it's a little bit of that. It's a yeah. little mix. Yeah. So then if you compare the different platforms, yeah. would you say it's easier to do an Instagram integration relative to the rates? And would you prefer yes. to do that over YouTube? Or Currently, like, I would l- – if my YouTube rates were way higher, then I would probably prefer that. But the weird thing is, lately – Brands are willing to pay so much money for Instagram sponsorships. Yeah, yeah. And it almost, it's like 50% of what I would charge for a YouTube. And it doesn't even make sense to me. And, like, I'll try to educate some brands sometimes. And I'm like, look. We a can, YouTube will serve you, you just, better. Yeah, if you just pay this amount instead of this amount, you're going to get this ad yeah. living forever. Yeah, yeah. You know, where... But a lot of brands are nervous about YouTube because it costs a lot more money. But sometimes when you invest in yourself, you get results. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's the thing. Right now, um, especially because we're we're really focusing on building the channel right now, I would prefer to take a Instagram sponsorship because it's just way easier. Mm-mm-mm. So that while you are building the YouTube, you still have like revenue on other platforms and yeah, so on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just easier. Yeah. You Instagram, you can just take a picture or do like a 15 second reel. Yeah. And make a similar, well, from, it, it's not like this for all YouTubers, by the way, but. 
I just noticed, especially during the holiday season, you know how brands increase their rates on Instagram. Yes, yes. So it's just they're... The rates are so high right now that it's like I'd rather just do an Instagram for slightly less than I will get for a YouTube video. Yes, and and spend less time and spend less on time, it. and then I can actually focus. I could do two Instagram posts, and it's like much easier to do a brand integration there, and then I can really focus on creating a super cool YouTube video with a really interesting storyline, and I don't have to worry about integrating an ad in it. Yeah, yeah. Because that always messes with the storyline. So, yeah. and yeah. And then people have to skip forward, et cetera. It's always yeah, a bit of an yeah, awkward Yeah, moment. I mean, uh, some ads work nicely, um, but other ads, it's it's like, okay, how are we going to, like, do this? Like, yeah. how are we going to integrate this so it doesn't mess with the storyline? You know, things like that. Do you see a significant drop-off in viewership when the ad comes up? So I, I was looking at a recent video, uh, and yeah, you see like a slight drop or they'll just skip to the next chapter because right, right. you can do chapters in YouTube now, yes. which is nice because then people can just like, you know, go to a topic that they want to yeah. see. Okay. Are chapters good for YouTubers or mm -hmm. do they actually hurt your views? Because if the key is like view duration, but then they're skipping through the things and not watching True. at all. That's a great question, Tina. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I feel like people are experimenting with yeah. it. I see some people purposely not put chapters oh, really? after they had put chapters before. Mm. So I'm not sure what the strategy is. What it, What have you heard? What's the word on the street? So it sounds like sometimes when there are chapters, people skip through, especially when it's more educational because uh, it's just points, right? Yeah. It's not like a storyline where you have to follow the storyline yeah. to enjoy the video. Yeah. So you skip to the value points. Mm. Um, however, if they remove it altogether... My guess is perhaps maybe people don't even watch all the way through. That's a good, so that might not be a plus. That's know? a good. That's a good point. So what I have noticed is that people do it so that they tell you we have three tips, but they don't tell you what the tip is in the chapters. They so say you have to tip wait one. For it. No, they mm. just label it tip one, tip mm. two, or reason one, or mistake number three. Mm. And so instead of saying like. Um, the actual mistake itself so that yeah. you can just hover and sort of preview and yeah. you, you kind of already know what to expect. So then you just know that, okay, there's a mistake. I need to watch it. I'm going to try it. <laughs> I'm going to try it. <laughs> so that's just based on my observation, uh, but I don't have real data to back that up. Listen, I, the only reason I was adding chapters is because TubeBuddy tells me it's the best practices. Mm. So they have like a checklist when you publish a video. It's like, yeah. have you um, added chapters have you added keywords have you blah 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 and so i just like go through the list so i just assume that it helped but i'm gonna next video i'm not gonna do it yeah we can test it but test. uh Amy but I, I would trust tube buddies since they have a ton of data to yeah. go by so i would trust whatever they say yeah who knows <laughs> um so speaking of like brand income and all that we last time when we talked on the podcast you shared your multiple income streams mm -hmm. and then before we hit record you also said like oh i'm looking to reduce the number of income streams how much was it before and then what is sort of your goal with the income streams so um yeah right now i counted recently and it was like 15 income streams but about 50% of them are passive. Oh, wow. Uh, 15. I think it's like 15. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, you want to see what they are? Yeah. <laughs> what are they, Sarah? Let's see. It's actually 13. I just counted. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's break down Sarah's 13 income streams. Yeah. Okay. 
which I don't recommend anyone have 13, by the way, unless they're all passive. <laughs> um, ad revenue. This includes YouTube and my blog. That is passive. Affiliate sales, which is commission from any item I promote. This is also passive. Consulting, which is not passive, but um, I have a company that hires me to consult on social media. Mm-hmm. Um Ebook income, this is passive. So I sell like PDF guides, ebooks, neighborhood guides, uh, itineraries to New York. Itinerary planning income, um, I own a tourism business here. And uh, part of our tourism business is helping you plan the most amazing trip to New York ever. So I have a lovely woman who's the pro at this, and we work together. Like I already give her tons of recommendations, but she knows New York. Arguably, arguably, arguably better than me. Wow. And so she um, is an expert at VIP concierge planning services. Wow. So it's anything um, like we have a lot of high end clients that use that. Licensing income. This is when someone buys the rights to use my content. Um, I don't know, miscellaneous income. That, I have no idea what that is, but we're just going to move on from that one. Um, <laughs> That was my bookkeeping team being like, I have no idea what this is, Sarah. So this is going in miscellaneous. Um, On-camera hosting. That's whenever a brand hires me to be an on-camera host. Uh, Product sales. Product sales. Oh, oh yeah, I have product. Um, That's a a passive one. So I sell like little things, um, namely postcards. You can buy postcards and I could just write you a note and send you a postcard from New York. Um, sponsorship income. Everyone knows that one. Uh, subscription income. This is a Patreon. Um, tour sales. I own a tourism company. So we do walking tours around New York and then video production income, which is when brands hire me to produce a video for them. Right, so that's the brand work that we talked about. Yeah, that's one of... The brand work category can be split because it, it can be on-camera hosting too. Yeah. So sometimes those are on the same invoice. Mm, 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 mm. So that's an important detail. Sometimes yeah. we'll even have three items on the same invoice, like licensing, video production, and on-camera hosting. So then you have to separate that, or your <clears throat> bookkeepers have to separate that when you file your taxes? Um. Well, we separate it just so we can keep track of what, what's bringing in the most money. That's oh, all. See, That's I why see. we do it. It's not necessary to separate it, but it's just, like, it's helpful to understand where <laughs> your most profitable income streams are so you can try to, you know, Got focus you. more on that. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this interview so far. If you're a visual learner like me, then you'll love watching these episodes on our YouTube channel. In addition to our weekly video podcast with amazing guests, I also post YouTube videos and shorts dissecting the creator economy and sharing social media tips as well as my life as a content creator. Head to the Tina Lee official YouTube channel to watch now and don't forget to subscribe. Okay, so what are the top three income streams you have to focus on? Sponsorship income is a huge one. Um, Then uh, on-camera hosting is a huge one. And video, or oh, tour tour sales. It's like I have four because like two are tied. Mm. So essentially the tourism company, uh, video production, um, sponsorships, and 
on-camera hosting. Mm. But one thing to keep in mind is the video production and on-camera hosting are normally the same project. Yeah. So if you combine those together, they're really just like one. But Got sometimes it. it's separate. So that's why I say like there's really like four. Uh, so we can just call it video production. Yeah, then. video production, sponsorships, and tour. My tour company, mm. I would say. Mm. Yeah. So then if you if your goal, we can brainstorm this together. Like yes. If the goal is to increase the income of these three yeah. simultaneously, yeah. then doubling down on YouTube viewership would be the way to go. Currently. I think so. Yeah. yeah, right? And so then you, you want to cut out like the miscellaneous. I don't know. I think the miscellaneous is like $5. They were like, I don't know what this is, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I think the mis miscellaneous was like uh, under a hundred dollars. Like it was like some rebate for something. So I wouldn't even. I would call it twelve income streams, but miscellaneous is something that we okay. don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe cut out the products, right? Products, honestly, products. I don't even do that really. That was mainly during the pandemic. I think we sold like a few this year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely cut that. Cut. And Patreon can be cut. I cut it. Yeah. I did. I because, stopped oh, it. Oh, you stopped I it. I stopped it. Oh, so wow. that revenue stopped probably in June. Yeah. I just couldn't keep up with it. I felt it was unfair to my yes. Patreons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I cut. I see. I want to do a separate video about this, but I have found that Patreon has not been the best way to monetize for most mm, people I have met. Really? And I think it, it it's debatable because I know there are people making insane income with yeah. Patreon. But uh, I also stopped it because relative to the amount of pressure to keep up with the yes. monthly output, yes. I was like, this is, this is not enough money. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I felt so much pressure, and it just wasn't a lot of money. Yeah. And I, I felt like I couldn't deliver what I what the people deserved. Yes, yes, yes. Like, we're so busy making content yes. for the public, yeah. and making an additional content, I yeah. just couldn't do it. So yeah. I cut it. It's like some army <laughs> helicopters going on out here. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay, we did the rough breakdown. Um are you so I remember you did an income report. Yeah. Would you ever do that again? And if you want to check that out, it is on Sarah's channel. It is, yeah. I have thought about this a lot. And I feel like I I don't want to do it again because it upsets some people, and I don't want to upset people. <laughs> oh, but I, it was very valuable for people, I bet, for yeah. the ones that loved it. Yeah. And I wonder if it's like 99% of people loved it and were positive and yeah. were rooting for you, too. Yeah. And then the 1% of those, like, people who felt threatened. Yes. Left I, it could have been that. Yeah. It could have been that. But I also, you know, now I have a, a two-year-old, and I don't want to be a target for yeah. anyone. Yeah, that makes sense. So it, I just feel like it's a better choice to not give exact numbers but yeah, yeah. give the give what's most profitable and how you also can be profitable yeah. yeah you know what's really interesting is i realized that people only do income reports up to a certain amount yeah because after that they, it just upsets people it does and what i heard someone say which is very interesting is that when you have nothing People are rooting for you. Yeah. Because you're you already yes. suck. Like they may as well just be like, oh, let me watch and see what's gonna come out of it. Yeah. And then as you see some success to a certain level, people are still happy for you. But then when you go above a certain like mm -hmm. stratosphere, mm -hmm. people are like, this is upsetting. Because exactly. this is just another regular person who is similar to me. But why are they making that much money? Exactly. So then they start but to the hate. The thing that they don't 
they like it's easy to be upset when you see a quick number, but you have to understand like I I mean I that my story is not the only one. I went three years with making like almost no money. Well, I went one year making no money. The next year I total made $8,000. And then the next year, I think I can't remember, but the point of the story is yes. Now I'm successful. Now I can talk about that, but it was years. It was years of work. And you're right. People root for you when you are not making money. But then once you start making money at a certain level, it does upset people. So I, I am not comfortable saying numbers anymore just because of various factors involving, I don't want to upset people. And then I also just, it's like, I have a kid and I live in New York city and people already know where I live. And I'm just, which by the way, fun fact about YouTube, just be aware that anything you film, people are, like, zooming into, like, the backgrounds, and they're, That's like, crazy. exactly what street could this possibly be, you know? So, yeah, like, be I, careful. there's yeah. three people that moved into my apartment building because they saw my channel. And you never told people what no. building it is? No. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. So be beware. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> beware. Yeah. And I'm not even, like, Casey Neistat, okay? <laughs> so I'm just telling you, like... Telling oh, you man, how it that, is. That, that's a bit scary. Okay, yeah. Be careful with your privacy. Right. And what so you show. I'm always paranoid now. I'm like, what if someone comes in and um, they somehow find my apartment number and then they, I don't know, pretend to be a seamless deliverer mm-hmm, or something? Mm-hmm. Like these are the thoughts that go through my mind. Mm-hmm. It's like crazy. So but you do have to be careful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One more thing you can do is just make sure you go online and check what's public info with your legal name mm. and try to make sure that you don't have like deeds online because yeah. that, that's public info. So just making oh, sure yeah. you don't have that just out there in the open. Or what you could do is like, well, I don't know about you, but like for some people, their legal name is different to their on screen name, oh. just at least the last name oh, or the first smart. name. So that helps to just sort of like eliminate that part I feel like of I it. I kind of ruined that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little late in the game for that one. But yeah, the other tips are good. Like, I, um, if you have a newsletter, you have to legally, at least yes. in the U.S., put the put, business address. Yeah, so I had to open a P.O. box mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. in the beginning, I was nomadic, so then I put my parents' address, and then I started actually getting a lot of subscribers, and I was like, oh, wait, eh. like, I, I didn't realize it showed on the ba- on the bottom of the newsletter. Yes, yes. And so that was years ago, but now I have a P.O. box because I'm like, I don't... And then the other thing is sometimes certain brands reach out to you and it's like, what if they're not really a brand? Right, right. That is possible too. So definitely be careful when they ask for your mailing address. I generally don't really give it out anymore unless I verify like, oh, this is a brand and this is coming from the brand domain email. Yes, yes, Or it's a legitimate PR company. Um, It's not just like some rando. Mm -hmm. They claim to be a PR company, like, but they don't even have a website. Exactly. Like you got to do a lot of research on this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because people, you know, most of the world is is great, but yeah. some parts some people are a little Yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know what we say in Chinese is like um uh we're not scared of 
like、uh, ten thousand, but we're just scared of that one、yes. out of ten thousand chance、yes. of something bad happening. Yes. 不怕一万，只怕万一。But yes, there you go.、Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So then, let like without talking about specific numbers,、mm-hmm. would you say this year was a better year for you financially than the previous? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's always been this kind of trajectory for you, right? Yeah. As you continue to、uh, accumulate your influence, your revenue also、yeah. sort of compounds. Exactly, and if you are good to work with, then you're going to keep getting reoccurring clients, and that's really important here because if you're chasing new clients all the time, first off, that's exhausting. Yeah. And second, it's just a lot more work. Like, so if you just Focus on really doing a great job with everyone you work with, then they're going to keep recommending you, and it's kind of just this domino effect that never、yeah. ends. So that's kind of what's what's happened currently. Is is I just keep keep getting recommended from our jobs. On this note,、um, something our mutual friend Onika was talking about is like having people in the PR rooms that know who you are and will recommend you to brand deals. So at this point, I've been doing this full time since 2017. So a lot of the PR people that are in those rooms, and they're selecting influencers. They already know me. They've worked with me. So I I get offered a lot of sponsorship opportunities without having an agent. Yeah, yeah. Because I go to events. I network as much as I can, and I try to establish relationships. And relationships in the end, like. That's going to be chosen over a cold email every day. Yeah, they go a long way, and especially mainly because they already know your level of work. Yeah. Plus, when they have communicated with you, they know you're going to respond on time. Exactly. You're not going to ghost them. Yeah. And if there's anything, you would keep them updated, and you deliver on time. All those things very important for these people to be、yes. able to do their job. Yeah. And so that's why it's important to be reliable. Yes. Trustworthy influencer and content creator. It's so true because. I've seen, I've heard stories where a brand will reach out to influencers and they don't respond,、yeah. and then they miss the deal. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you just you always try to respond within forty eight hours. Yeah, abs- at the absolute max to any any deal and prioritize those things that not only are paid but also could lead to paid things. You know, if if Disney reaches out and they offer you tickets to a Broadway show. It might be worth going because you can meet some Disney reps. I've done that before, just to get to know the people, even if it's not a paid thing. Yeah. Just because I'm like, I want to work with that brand, and even though this isn't paid, like I'm going to go to that event and network with them because, in the future, maybe we could do something together. Yeah. Because I think they're really fun and interesting. So how often has that worked, where a non-paid thing has turned into a paid a deal? A lot. A、mm. lot. A a big part of my job as The founder of my company is networking. Yeah, networking is so important, yes, especially. Yes. Listen, I live in New York City. This shit's crazy. Sorry, I live in New York City. <laughs> It's so expensive here. I'm trying to make the most of my money. So when there is a freaking networking events going on, if there and when I say networking events, I mean any type of event where I know there's going to be someone from a higher up company at that event. I will go to that event, and I will. Talk to as many people as I can, shake hands, get to know them, and then reach out to them after, and come up with some idea that maybe we can work together or we、yeah. can grab coffee. And I'm still doing that now, yeah, five years later. So, you know, that never ends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
that's why, you know, you see all these CEOs and they're always going out to dinners with people because you're establishing relationships, just like presidents go out to dinners with leaders of countries because you're establishing relationships that never ends. And that that leads to more deals than cold emailing. And you're, you know, if you're shy, listen, I, I also am a shy person. I know that maybe it's hard to believe by socialization. Yeah, is, it is hard to believe. <laughs> but give yeah. us some tips. How, yeah. How to network. Well, um, I, I even think about, like, I have, like, anxiety building. I'm just thinking about it. I get really nervous in networking environments. Really? But I've just forced myself into it so many times now that I just have to be, like, just freaking get over it. It's fine. Just, like, go. You just have to have one opening. And I'm, like, having a pep talk in my head. I'm, like, all right, Sarah, just, like, one person. <laughs> just, like, get in with one person. Oh and then it's going to be easy after that because then you're going to meet the person they know. And then it just trickles down. Yeah. And so... Essentially, I have a few opening lines. Like, if I already know someone works for someone or someone that it's a company I want to work for, uh, if they have name tags, then it's less awkward because you don't want to be like, hi, person, I've been stalking you, you know? But, like, a lot of these events, they have some type of name tag. Mm. You're like, oh, my gosh, you work for NYC Go. I am Sarah, and I'm a New York City content creator, and I love whatever. Yeah. That's an opening line. Um, another one that's less, like, obvious yeah. is you just, I love your dress. Where'd you get that? That one I use a lot. I, I love that. that. I love that. Because everyone likes to be complimented. Yes, yes. Every, oh, that's a great one. Everyone likes to be complimented. Yeah. So that's a great networking tip. Just go in and compliment and people it, like crazy. It starts the conversation. The hardest part is starting the conversation. And then once you start the conversation, it's just keeping it going. Yes. Keeping it going. And then you eventually get their contact information. Okay. So then practically speaking, after you get that contact information, do you follow up the next day with like an email? Not always the next day because I'm very busy, but I, I follow up generally. I try to follow up within a week. Mm -hmm. um, and I try to follow up in a way that feels like I'm helping them out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll be like, we talked about this and... Um, I'm actually creating a video on this topic, so I was thinking it could be really fun if we do some type of collaboration. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it can help you guys get more exposure on this thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that leads to other opportunities. Yeah. For example, I recently went to an event at Rockefeller Center um, for my tourism company. Um, because we, we work with them with the tours as an add-on ticket. And essentially I met several people that worked there and one of the top people, uh, there's no influencers that go to these things by the way. So it's a great space to be in if you have, um, mm -hmm. an audience because you kind of have a different angle. Yeah. One of the top people, uh, reached out to me and they're like, we want you to run our influencer program at, wow. at, Rockefeller Center. Wow. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. And we actually had multiple meetings about this, but in the end, I told them I just don't think I actually have the capacity to mm -hmm. take that on right now. Um, but that's an incredible opportunity. I, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. So how did you get invited to this event? Because it doesn't sound like an influencer event. So this was through my tour company. I see. I see. Yeah. But that, you know, it's just meeting people and kind of 
keeping the relationship going. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. And that gives you, it opens more doors than yes. anything. Okay, before I end it, I do want to talk about the niche thing because you were just talking about it. Mm-hmm. How important is it to have a niche on YouTube, especially when you're starting out? Um, literally the most important detail of all of this is, like, if you don't have a niche, no one's going to follow you. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not clear what you talk about. Yes. And they want to follow for one thing. They don't want to, like, follow a channel yeah. and then have to watch, like, ten different other things. And they'll lose interest in all of those and things. And then you're not going to be – your videos aren't going to get views. Yeah. Honestly, it's the same with any platform. But are there any downsides to having a niche? Or is there anything you, you might do differently with your niche? Yes. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yes, there are downsides of having a niche because you're stuck in that niche. Yeah. You can't really change it. So choose your niche very wisely. Mm. This is a problem a lot of YouTubers experience later on. They just get tired of talking about their niche, mm-hmm. but they try other things and their channel is all about their niche. So their audience only wants to hear about that specific thing. So how can they overcome that over time? Have you seen yeah. anybody successfully switch? Um. I'm sure someone has, but it's not common, honestly. The thing is, they ha- if for you to successfully switch your niche, they have to be following you because they like you. Yes, yes, yes. Not because they like, they like you so much that they don't care what you talk about. They're here yes, for you. Yes. And to have that level of success is, is something that you only see with, like, huge YouTubers. Yeah, yeah. But even them, they're stuck in their niche, and maybe their niche isn't, like, a topic. Maybe it's a style. For example, Casey Neistat, his style is vlogging. Yes. If he suddenly went to giving tips on, like, living in New York City, and he just sat there and filmed, like, tip number one, tip number two, it's not going to get views. Mm -hmm. You see? So your niche isn't always a topic. It's a style. Yeah, yeah. Um, And most people get stuck in that style, so just choose it very wisely. And also make sure that if you're choosing a niche, once you become successful in that niche, you can add on other categories, but you still have to have your true niche there. Otherwise, your channel won't get views. Okay, but okay. So then, but the style thing—it yeah. seems like people can talk about more topics if you have one consistent style. Is that yeah. Right? So then you can pick because a style, it's about you. right? You can pick your style of storytelling or filmmaking or providing value, but then have it be across a couple different topics that relate to each other. They could be, yeah. My fr- one of my friends is a YouTuber in the city, and she is kind of dealing with this same dilemma that I am. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like a vlogger. Well, she is a vlogger. Uh, she started her channel in New York, and then she moved out of New York. And she noticed mm. that even though her style kept stayed the same, mm. people were much more interested in her life in New York versus where her life was once she moved out of New York. So then she moved back to New York literally to revitalize her channel. And now she's like kind of moving in between cities New York and back and New York and back. And she she also feels stuck in in the category. Wow, okay. Yeah. And and so you feel a little stuck because your topics have always been uh, value-driven topics about New York City specifically. And they've gone viral, right? Yeah. So do you find, is that because like these people, like they just visit New York like once or twice and then that's it. Like they don't care about other places. So that's kind of what I'm struggling with right now is like a lot of my channel 
are people that are visiting New York and then they binge watch all my videos and it's very helpful to them and everything's great. But then when they leave New York, they don't come back to the channel. And so right now we're trying this, this shift where we're doing 50% of the content being that evergreen New York stuff for tourists. And then we're trying to shift into like the other 50% is more interesting storytelling and things like that, that are based in New York, but could interest someone that isn't just visiting New York. Yeah, That's yeah. what we're attempting right now. Yeah. Just to kind of like add some creativity. Because after four years of doing this, it, it can get a little tiring yeah. talking about the same things. Yes. But those same things always perform. So it's kind yeah. of like you're at, you're, you're trying to balance, you know, Sarah Dietschy says it well. She says like, do one for them, one for you. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that's kind of what we're, working on right now. <laughs> I see. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I totally understand that struggle. Um, I, I was fortunate in my page on of Leather and Lace on Instagram where I was originally very travel focused yeah. and I was not really sharing as much about me or anything mm -hmm. else. Um, but there was a period of time where I was waiting for my green card. So I was basically like stuck in uh, the U.S. and I hadn't done much U.S. travel before that. And I tried to pivot more into creative content, like being in New York City, um, and the method of the the content itself versus like where the content is yeah. shot, and uh, fortunately, it people responded well to that. that. Worked, yeah. And then that paired with a lot of personal stories on my in my Instagram stories because at that time reels was not a thing. Yeah. So then when they watched the stories, they also got to know me, yeah. and so then they stayed on the page. Even now, I don't post as much travel like if you look on my yeah. feed like a lot of it is more like creative transitions it's not travel anymore yeah. and in fact my travel stuff does worse than before so and the creative stuff does better so it's like you it's interesting because i think people originally were attracted to your page because you're so good at photography and you were going to all these amazing places and it was very visually interesting and then during the pandemic, you kind of shifted to providing value. So you almost like shifted into a niche that was more successful than your initial like page. Well, I wouldn't say it's more successful, but it is just like a like it's easier to pivot from being creative yeah. to doing any topic you want Maybe versus like it. doing just travel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's one fortunate thing. And yeah. so that's one thing I learned about this current channel is that I'm surrounding all of my topics around the creator economy mm. and just about being an influencer and being a creator in general. Yeah. So I won't include any travels in here. Um, if I ever do, that would be a separate channel if I yeah. have any capacity left. Yeah. Um, and then also for all of the things here, the creator economy is con continually evolving. Yeah. Like you're interesting, but and then in two years, you'll be even more interesting and then we'll have more to talk about we'll see yes, <laughs> cross yes, my fingers <laughs> yeah we'll see hopefully I have my own travel show and then we can go back to this moment I'm gonna have my own travel show yes and you manifested a, it like a time we will go back in time in the next interview yes that's yes what, you manifested it yeah we'll so, see there you go <laughs> but you know so that's the goal with this so I I'm trying to think about it in a longevity sense where I will continually have different people and topics mm -hmm. to talk about as long as it surrounds this whole group of people who are all interested in the creator economy. That's genius. So 
Love it. I hope There's it works. a lot of angles you can go with that, I think. Subscribe and follow yeah, this subscribe. channel. Hit the like button. <laughs> exactly. Because it go. matters for the algorithm. It does. It really does matter. <laughs> that and watch time. Okay. Yeah. So last question. Mm -hmm. What is the five-year vision for the Sarah Funky brand? So I really want to expand the tourism company so that it is kind of its own business thing. It's, yeah. I mean, it's its own business now, but I want it to be like a bigger business that lives on past me. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. always what I envision. Yeah. I'm looking, I always am looking down the road whenever I do anything, you know, like, okay, I'm making this piece of content today, but can this help another thing? Um, I really want to grow the tourism company yeah. into a bigger business. I really, I've been saying this for like two years now. I really want to launch multi-day uh, experiences um, that people can book. Mm. Um, I honestly just have not had the time to do that. Uh, that's for the tourism company. And then for my own uh, channel and my own, you know, yeah. social media. Your personal for, brand. Yeah, for my personal brand, I do want to be able to incorporate more lifestyle elements into things in a way that really engages people and interests people. So that's what we're trying to do now. Uh, I'd like to be able to have my own show on a larger platform, yeah. like, I don't know, Netflix or something yeah. more substantial yeah. than just YouTube. Yeah, um, that's cool. So that's my goal. Wow. I love that. that that's a huge goal. Yeah. You're putting it out there into the putting universe and going to manifest it for you. Please. So where can people find you? They can find me on YouTube, Sarah Funky, and Instagram, Sarah Funky, TikTok, Sarah Funky, all the things. Or okay. you can join a tour in New York. Or yes. Have, or have my team plan an amazing luxury vacation experience for you that is customized to your exact needs. <laughs> there you go. So if you're visiting New York, you definitely need to check out Sarah's channel and book a tour yes. with her team and buy an itinerary because yes. they're all going to be super helpful. Just makes for your, your life trip. easier. That's all I try to do. Make <laughs> your life easier. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.